Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. For today's podcast session, we did another solo cast between the sisters. In this episode, you will hear us getting into the challenges of decision making, sitting with uncertainty, the role that trust plays in all of this. And we also did a deep dive into some of the gaps that we see in the vulnerability conversation and what we need to bring more of into that conversation. It's it's an interesting deep dive. You guys will just have to tune in and listen along to really hear our breakdown of that very popular conversation in the psychology world right now. We filled you guys in on some of the life happenings that are going on in both of our worlds. And at the very end, make sure you listen to the very end because we are doing a giveaway. And with that pretty mental family, take in a deep breath with us. And tune in. Before we jump into the episode, we want to highlight our sponsor, Conscious Conversion, recently known as Resonate with Sarah. Conscious Conversion is a holistic multimedia marketing agency for thought leaders of the new paradigm. We love them because their main mode of operating, which also filters out the clients they bring on, is making sure that the message is in alignment with your mission in the world and that your mission in this world is in alignment with where the plan is heading right now, that your mission is here to help awaken the planet and move evolution forward. Whatever your offering is, they use Google, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram ads to cut through the clutter of the internet and amplify your message on a massive scale. They also offer organic social media, copywriting, and so much more. We'll link their website in the show notes if you guys are interested in more information. We highly suggest you check them out if your ears perk up when you hear this. And now back to our episode. It is April 27th, 2021. We open ourselves up for the highest healing We invite in our higher selves, we invite in our guides, our angels, our ancestors, and all of the energies that are here to assist us in our rising and the rising of our community. We open ourselves up as clear channels for the highest healing of ourselves, the highest healing of our community and everyone that they come in contact with, and for the highest healing of the universe. We are open, we are listening, we are here, we are present. We are open, we are open, we are open. The portal is now open. What's up, Paula? Hey, Valentina. What's been going hey, on? Pa- <laughs> <laughs> What's been going on? Update us. Update us. Okay. You know what I realize? I have a true, true thing. I don't want to say problem because I'm not trying to like make it a concrete situation. Just a thing that I need to work on, right? is that I am really indecisive about the dumbest things you could possibly think of. It's crazy. This is crazy. And this is coming up now because so I've, I have two, I ordered two comforters in oh, January. No. In January. One that is heavier and one that's more lightweight. And I can, could not make up my mind. So why every other thing? Every other night you're sleeping with a different one. Is that what's Every happening? other night I'm sleeping with a different one. 
and just really figuring out because I want the heavier one, but the LA heat gets really intense. So I'm like, maybe I should get the lighter one. I mean, this has been like, sh- like I sweat when I think about it. It's really, really stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I literally have FaceTime Yana. And Yana's my one of my best friends for those of you who don't know. Shout out to Yana. Shout out to Yana. So I called Yana and I'm like, can you see the thickness of each one? <laughs> Which one do you think I should get? Because you've lived in California for a long time. Like, are the summers that bad? And she'll entertain me. She has entertained me for a freaking while now, for a few months. Yeah, <laughs> she got other... talking to you about the comforters this whole time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God, what a friend. And then I made Zarina, my other friend, lay on my bed and tell me which one she thought was the right one. And I'm just like, this is so, I'm aware of how dumb this is. This is why am I doing this? You know, it's funny because. And I love this, them, but I'm fully aware that I am asking them to enable this you're horrible kind of, you're behavior. Compulsing. <laughs> you're compulsing. Um, yes. You're asking them to compulse on your behalf. <laughs> Reassurance seeking. Yes, dude. And I, it's, this is that Gemini South node. The, they say that the Gemini South node is they're very, very indecisive. They like go back and forth. They have to write down every little pro and con of every little thing. And then even at the end, they can barely make a decision. And this is how I am about household items. Everything else, I literally either just don't care. Or I just pick it and move on with my life. But when it comes to household items, the other day, let me give you another example. I, I've needed a Swiffer for a really long time. And I went to the store. I went and then they had two options to choose from at the store that I went to. And so then I pulled up Amazon. I'm a reviews kind of person. I pulled up each one on Amazon reviews and they both had amazing reviews. So I left the store. (laughs) I couldn't decide. I was so so tired just from reading the reviews that it stressed me out that I was like, I can't do this. I got to go. How just like... And I'm fully aware. Like, you know there's what? no right option. It may be a Gemini South Node thing. Do you? I'm always on the fence with the Zodiac stuff because I'm like, okay, it could all possibly be true, but I don't know. Just ascribing that to, to Zodiac signs, I just, I have a hard time buying into it fully. No, I, I get that. When I say it, I believe it. And at the same time, I'm detached from it. I also know it's like a human thing. And I have a history with certain OCD tendencies and like a whole bunch of it comes through. I like bringing in the zodiac signs because for me, it's fun. Yeah. And it's like, damn, that really is my Gemini South Node. And that's like the main thing is that how indecisive they are with just random little things. Yeah, okay, but I'm not yeah. like this is only because I, if I was not a Gemini <laughs> South Node, I wouldn't be like this. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Because I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, I have a, you know, know quite a few people. But the thing with decision making, well, Zodiac thing, uh, that's kind of, I guess that is kind of how I relate to it too, where it's like, okay, this actually can explain a lot. And then at the end of the day, it's a mystery. But at the end of the day, it's also just, it's also fun and, and sometimes eerily accurate. A lot of times, eerily accurate. Hell yeah. I am a tried and true Aries Sun, Scorpio, Moon, Cancer, Rising, South Node, and Gemini, North Node, and Sagittarius. But don't worry, I'll I'll take this shit lightly. (laughs) You can't fight it. Decision making. Maybe it's because it's just what you really value or you really kind of see the things that you're going to keep in your house and keep around you as an investment that you're going to be interacting with on a daily basis. Yeah, totally why. Because I think about like, What's going to make me the absolute coziest? A thicker comforter or a lighter comforter? <laughs> oh my God, this stuff, man. This, props to me because I have lived in four different homes in the past year and I have shopped for those four different homes and taken nothing with me from home to home. No I've way. For a brand new home. Yes, every single time. And I did it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really did it. So decision making, though, that's an that's actually a very relevant conversation, because I guess it all comes back to certainty and just wanting to know that you're getting the exact right answer when it's something that matters to you. Right. And then anxiety makes us want to know, like, okay, I want to know for 100% certainty. I need you to tell me that this is what I need to do. And sometimes we outsource people giving us those answers. 
or a lot of times we want to outsource people giving us the answers. But then when they give you the answer, it's like, but how do you know? It almost like traps them into into that cycle with us because nobody can give us the answer. One million percent. And for me, it's almost two things. It's weird. When it comes to household items, I really care because I know it's an investment. But at the same time, I don't even like I would give someone my credit card and let them handle it and let let them choose it, even though I would be the one living in it. It's because it like I just it exhausts me looking through things exhausts Mm -hmm. me. I'd rather someone else do it, you know, so it's like I don't care that much. Anyway, that's my great update. (laughs) My update is a little more intense than that, (laughs) but it's also a decision situation. Well, the cats. I know. So I adopted these two beautiful kitties a couple weeks ago, and I've completely fallen in love with them. But I have a history of cat allergies. And with my last cat, it was it was always there, but I just got used to living with it. And then I think having some space from it and then two cats at the same time, it exacerbated my response to it. So you I had know a, they smell like those naked cats. No, that doesn't do it. Oh. Because uh it's their skin that releases the dander, not necessarily mm. their fur. So you can be allergic okay. to a naked cat. Okay. And I had some really intense allergy days last week and started wondering if I was going to have to rehome them, which is extremely heartbreaking because I've already bonded with them. And so it's really heartbreaking. They're like my babies. And so I posted that yesterday just to see. I'm like, okay, I need to give them a chance. I just started panicking. You know what happens? I'm like, okay, if I go through a whole allergy treatment and then I find out it doesn't work, they have a lower chance of finding a really good home when they're older because right now they're at their cutest. But if I give them up and I know that I didn't try 100,000% to do the best I could to keep them. Is that going to haunt me? And but if you're allergic to them. Like <laughs> that's real. What do you mean? You're allergic to them. But you can get something called allergy shots that I think I need to look into. Anyways, it's not an every single day thing. I've noticed. I mean, to different degrees, but I'm just doing my research to find out all the different things that I can do to minimize the impact. Like I bought a really nice air filter. I should be getting here tonight. And I just feel like I have to do everything in my power to make it work before just giving up on them. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you love them and you feel like their mom. I can't imagine. I can't actually. I was in that position with Bella. Yeah. Would you like me to shed some light on it, Bella? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I mean, I told you over text, but the lady, the people before me were obsessed with Bella. Obsessed. She's my dog. She literally slept between the husband and the wife every night. And they were so sad they had to give her up. But then she came to me and I was an amazing, amazing mom. And then she went to my mom. (laughs) And now her and my mom are best friends. So I do believe that you can find a home where someone will love them like crazy, you know? But if you really want to give it your best shot and see if you can and see what you can do, then you can, I totally believe that you can make it successful. Yeah. I think I have to, because I was like, I literally deleted Instagram from my phone yesterday because I was like, I don't want to see people volunteering to take my cats after I posted that. And I was like, I don't even want to check today. I don't want to see that anyone's offered. Um, And I haven't had any good matches, but, and I'm like relieved and happy about it. So that's probably a sign that I just need to figure out a way to work with it. I can't give up on it. Yeah, that makes sense. How bad are your allergies with them? It varies. That's what I need to figure out. Maybe if I do a full allergy panel and see what other things I might be allergic to, I can just really focus on my health and make sure that my histamine response is as low as it possibly can be. Because, you know, for example, like when I used to drink, my allergies would be higher. So some some of that has to come into play. If anyone of you guys have gotten allergy shots and, and they worked or didn't work, let Paula know. Yeah, let us know. And what tips and advice you have if anyone's been down this road. I feel like that could be helpful. Yeah, because I feel like at this point it comes, it's between having allergies or or depression. (laughs) Which one am I going to (laughs) choose? Which one am I going to choose? Yesterday I was really convinced. I was like, wow, I'm really going to give them up. I was so sad. Yeah, I was hard. I was so sad. I didn't. I was not happy yesterday. And then I was doing the full moon thing of just feeling the energy. And I'm like, if I want to shift my vibration, what do I want to shift it to? I want to shift it to, you know, there's a balance between surrendering to what's happening 
immediately. And I've talked about this before, which there's a fine line between surrender and apathy or saying, you know what, life, like I'm going to meet you where you're at and I'm going to rise up to the challenge and I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to go down fighting. And I think that's important in order to not walk around feeling like life just completely determines the outcome of things. Totally. Remembering that, you know, whatever situation you're in, always ask yourself, is there something I can do about this? And if there is something you can do about it, then freaking do it. Like go all in, you know, but if it's something where you're just like, no, I literally can't like this is this involves two like other people. It's external circumstances. It's this and this and this, whatever. Then maybe that is a chance to surrender. But I think in each each chance you have the ability to really think, what can I do about this? And if surrendering is. I think I think if surrendering doesn't feel good, if it feels like depression, if it feels like depression and you're giving up, figure out a way to get your power back. Give it a more of a chance. Yeah, because when we talk about surrender and when I talk about surrender and when to do it, mine is like, okay, you got fired from your job. Surrender, surrender and believe that a better option is coming and open yourself up for the best possible outcome to come through. But if it's something where it's like, I may not be able to keep my kids surrender. And you're like, no, but there is things I can do. Well, then do it. There is things I can do. Just how bad I felt yesterday. I, I put my, I archived my post today. Just haven't deleted it, but archived it. So nobody would pass it around anymore. You're literally like me and Bella. Because when I got Bella, I was foster, I was supposed to foster her until she got a better, a home. better home. And then I printed out like, signs that said looking for a home (laughs) and I wrote all this stuff down and I went to Starbucks and I started pinning the piece of paper on their little on their board on their community board and the second I I pinned it and then I sat down and then I was just staring at it and I'm like that's my fucking baby (laughs) (laughs) that's my baby on the job board right now I know no no I know it feels it feels like I'm just throwing my babies out to the world to to decide what's gonna happen to them I foster failed and I was so so afraid of keeping her because I didn't have the money. I was a full-time worker and a full-time student. Like I just, I only wanted to foster because I wanted temporary company and like to, to keep a dog out of a potential, um, what's it called? Cage. Shelter, yeah. Shelter. But then, you know, I finally was just like, oh, cause we developed the bond. Like, let me just keep her. And she ended up being the best company in the universe for me. And some, you know, we found the money. We found the time. We skipped a lot of classes to spend time with her. I still graduated. <laughs> it's the thing, you know. You make I mean, sacrifices for things that are important. And there's nothing more important than love. I agree. So, yeah, that's how I felt. This one woman was like, oh, I talked with my husband and he's not ready yet. And I'm like, great, great that your husband's not ready yet. Fantastic. Because <laughs> they're not going anywhere. This was just a tease. In the Instagram world, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> stir up some drama. <laughs> oh my God, it's ridiculous. Like the whole Instagram community has been through my cat, cat saga ups and downs over these past few months. Like, I know I had some friends write me back when I posted the picture you posted of like, we're trying to find them a home. And they were like, oh my God, this is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> like, stag bitches. <laughs> Paula yeah. was just, you know, full moon in Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> False alarm. False alarm. I'm like, oh my God, this, this is the most publicly unstable thing I could do is offer to give up my children. <laughs> I get it though. I get uh, listen, it. Listen, we're just human here. We're just human. <laughs> We're just humans who keep two comforters and alternate them for three months, four months, going on five months. Oh my God, no four. And then pretend that we're going to give up our cats and not. This is, <laughs> this is normal, y'all. This we're normalizing is... being human. We're normalizing being human. It's just not always a clear answer, mm-hmm. whether it's a comforter or your fur babies. Either way, it, it's going to be a risk, whatever decision we make in life. And the best possible outcome is going to come through. I believe that for everything. And it's funny because even when I'm going being indecisive with my stuff, I have, I am watching myself from the outside doing this. And I'm like, you are goofy, girl. We've been through this. 
we've been through this so many times. What are you doing? I talk with myself all the time with like my human self and then my soul self being like, all right, I'm just going to let you go through what you need to go through. (laughs) Do what you got to do. But we know that this doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And I know it, but I'm just like, yeah, but I'm going to just sleep with it one more night, you know? Yeah, it's a balance. That's actually something that I do a lot is have conversations with myself to help me. And I'm saying it because I wonder if, you know, this might help you guys. I don't know. Is on days where I feel just stuck and stagnant and maybe the energies are, or I'm kind of going against the day that day. I remember that not trusting in the flow of life is it comes more from the ego self than it comes from the soul perspective. Then it comes from the bigger picture, the universal perspective. And when I catch myself during those times, I really do in my head say to myself, like, what are you doing? We, we know the drill. We know the drill. We know that everything that we're going through this day is perfectly planned. We know that this is going to move you forward in every single way. We know that the universe is holding you. So what's up? What's going on? Why are you fighting this today? Did you just forget to trust? Did you just forget to trust? It's all good. But let me, this is the moment to remember, trust. Then my ego will be like, fuck, like I can't, you know, I make my ego feel safe enough to kind of surrender to the control. And it really does help me align back in and remember like, okay, okay. I forgot for a moment, but thank you for reminding me. You know, trust, it's a tricky dance though, because trust but you also have to make decisions on this earthly realm and then you just have to be okay yeah i'm not saying okay so go further with that because go further with what you're thinking i guess surrendering if i think of maybe the ideal situation of surrendering it'd be like okay i'm just gonna surrender just gonna do what the universe tells me to do or just kind of listen and tune in but it's like okay well i've had these allergies so is that a sign I should give them up? No, it's it's heartbreaking to give them up. So now, so at that point, then I have to put on more of like a warrior spirit and be like, no, nah, I'm going to like dig through every nook and cranny and find a solution for this. I'm going to get the best air purifier. I'm going to do that. But, you know, to some extent, taking that much action and kind of taking ownership of the situation and taking it into my own hands like that. I mean, the ego's involved in that. So when I talk about that conversation I have with myself and just remembering to trust, I'm not talking about, to me, trust is not, and this is why these conversations are just so layered because there's like a million viewpoints and and questions that maybe can go into each one. Just how we were saying, like, if you're in an abusive situation, do not surrender. That is not a time to surrender. Keep moving, right? Yeah. But when I'm talking about it is if in the day you find yourself kind of complaining about something or just feeling like everything is against you that day, just trust that everything that is happening is going to take you to the next moment with the best possible outcome. When you're not trusting, you're in a state of either living in the past or you're living in the future. You're trying to control a situation. But when you trust, you allow yourself to come back into the present moment because you know that the universe is holding you every single step of the way. And when you're in that present moment, you're more aligned to make the best decision in that moment. You're not just going to go home and you're going to just sit there and be like, "Mm, the universe is going to decide whether or not I should have my cats or not. No, it's like I if we're taking your situation into account. It's like, okay, I'm going to I mean, you've made the decision now that you're going to do everything you can to keep them. But say you're still in this limbo phase of you don't know what you're going to do in that situation. If it was me, I would say I am going to trust and surrender that the best possible outcome is going to come of this. I already know that whatever is supposed to happen is supposed to happen. And I established my relationship with the universe knowing that I am held and then my little babies are held. And once I'm in that very present moment, the answer is going to be so fucking clear to me. Like, uh uh-uh, fuck no, I'm keeping my baby. Like it's going to, I'm not going to be in this back and forth and decisive stage of like what this, this, no, I know what I'm doing. I know the power I hold over, over this situation. I'm present enough to co-create with the universe. The, where the anxiety comes in and where we're not trusting, that's when you're not living in the present moment. And the present moment is when you're going to be able to come up with the best possible solutions for everything. Yeah, I guess the way I took it was more so, what helped me was just more so like feeling, last night I was looking at them and I just felt life kind of challenging me. Like, really? Is that how quickly you give up? Uh, So for me, it's 
in this particular instance, it's kind of like a challenge of how much are you willing to fight for the relationships that you care about? And how deep are you willing to take that? And there's always an easy route, but it can leave us feeling disconnected, right? Versus, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can and I'm going to step forward. And if life chooses to meet me there, but I'm going to, I'm going to go forward and, and give it my best. And there are no concrete answers with this stuff, right? It's not this like this clear, you're supposed to do this in every single moment. The most concrete answer there is, is to get yourself so present that you, you're just like Grace said in the, in the last podcast, that your nervous system stabilizes itself and you're grounded enough and present enough to then make the most clear-headed, embodied, in tune, aligned decision in that moment. And that's where surrender and trust their vehicles to get you there. Because when you are living out of a place of anxiety, it's because you fear for the uncertain moment that may or may not happen. I think it's surrender, trust, and hope, you know, like having the belief in the possibility, like you were saying, of the best possible outcome. Because surrender and trust by itself without hope can just be apathy, where it's like, eh, okay, I'm just going to let life decide for me. But if we hold our the intention of the highest possible outcome or believing that like that's even possible, then we're going to take the steps to make that actually take place. Sure. Yeah. For me, that is trust. For me, if I'm trusting the universe, I believe wholeheartedly it is a value system of mine. It is like a known pillar in my life. That if I am in, if I'm trusting the universe, the universe is going to fucking deliver gold, right? So it's it's trust for me is hope. But like, so trust mixed with action, though, right? It's not just like I'm gonna just gonna trust and it's just gonna fall on my lap. It's trust that it can work out, so I actually take action towards it. Trust and surrendering do not mean laying in your bed. Trust and surrendering mean aligning yourself grounding yourself, calming yourself, because you know that the universe is here to see you win. And once you can act from a place of, and once you align yourself and ground yourself enough to be in that present moment, you are going to act. You are going to act. You're going to be inspired. You're going to get ideas. You're going to become more creative. You're going to see hope where there wasn't hope before. You're going to see routes that you can take. You're going to think of people you can reach out to, connections you can make. You're going, your mind is going to be so clear because just like Cody, Sister Cody said in his podcast, he's like, sometimes he's like, I don't even want to take credit for these drawings. I just get so present that they're right in front of me and I just grab them. That's what happens when you ground yourself. It is in front of you. It is in front of you. This stuff is, is, is literally spoon fed to you when you ground yourself and present yourself so much that you are able to jump out of that analytical brain and get really embodied and relax your nervous system enough that the universe shows up. It shows up. You're not present if the, if you're going to just be like, uh, universe is going to just take care of it. I'm just going to lay in bed. Your analytical mind is going to still go. It's going to be like, eh, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is it not? Is it this? Is it not? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I think it's just, it's a choice. It's just a choice. It's just a choice to believe, to think in that way or not. Yeah. That's it's it. your belief system, your relationship with the universe. Yeah. I, I mean, I like when you ask these questions because the last thing I want, you know, I'm speaking from the knowledge and understanding and the groundwork that I have in my head. And I, it helps when people who may not understand that, if you're interested in that, get more clarity for me. Cause sometimes I don't think to explain what the I think all right, right. The layers and what I think people already know, because I know that. So sometimes I think that just makes sense, right? I can only speak from my brain. Yeah, I think for me, it's like when I when I hear that the universe delivers gold, I, I start feeling it get tricky into that area of like expecting certain outcomes to happen the way that we want them to. But then it's like, how do we know that that's the best possible outcome? Like, we don't know. And also, if situations are more challenging, you know how we were talking in the last podcast about freaking the Holocaust and Viktor Frankl being in that concentration camp then the best possible outcome is just going to look different in every situation. But maybe for me, it's about how much courage can I meet this situation with? And there's also a big level of letting go of control, which ties into the surrender and the trust, right? Because if you are 
saying I surrender, but I still want this specific thing to happen. You're not allowing for the universe to bring out the best possible outcome. The universe is bringing your outcome because that's maybe that's where your focus is. That's where all your energy is going. But there has to be a level of detachment. There has to be a level of shedding who you currently are, your identity, the things you thought you wanted, the life you thought you wanted, these ego-based desires. There has to be a level of surrendering to something greater than holding on to the things that you know. And that's when life starts getting really light and really beautiful because there's a certain level of you're like a bird gliding in the sky. That's how I picture myself when I think of when I'm really aligned to myself in the universe. I'm like a bird with its wings that are just open and I'm allowing and I'm still moving forward, right? But I'm allowing the winds that are hitting me, I'm kind of just gliding through them. And I'm, and I'm going to, I do have a belief that I'm going to land in the best possible place. Imagine if I'm a bird who's like, all right, I'm going to fly, but like, I want to go left. And all the, the winds are trying to take me right. I'm like, okay, let me see what, what would happen if I just align myself with the flow of the universe right now, then I would start gliding again. But if I'm trying to fight everything, then it's going to be this like messy journey. Well, here's a, here's how the thing, right? If we don't believe that we're going to land in the best possible place, Regardless of whether or not we really are going to land in the best possible place, much better chances of landing in the best possible place if that's a belief that we're holding, right? Because people, you know, I, I, some people, and even me, probably I could find myself thinking like, yeah, but how do you know you're going to land in the best possible place? And how do you even know what that is? But here's, but if we don't believe that and we believe that like, oh no, like life is out to get me and I'm not going to land in a good place, then you're going to be acting from a place of fear. You're going to be frantic. You're not going to be thinking clearly. And then that's kind of how like how the self-fulfilling prophecies come to be. But if we believe that we are going to land in the best possible place, then you're going to take actions that are going to increase your chances of getting a positive outcome. Absolutely. So there's a deep dive into that. The other thing we wanted to talk about was a little bit more on authenticity and vulnerability. So there's a conversation that I've been having with quite a few clients and, you know, just something I've been thinking about and connecting with a lot lately is that the conversation on vulnerability has become so popular in recent years that we've almost come, we've come in many ways to see vulnerability as the end all be all of a very effective relationship enhancement tool allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. And what I've seen happening is people, and even at times I did this, confusing vulnerability with seeing it as like vulnerability still feeling scary because if I'm going to open up to you what my weaknesses are or what my shadow places are, I, I need you to somehow validate that that's okay. So then in Brene Brown talks about this, like she mentions certain types of people that don't deserve to hear your shame story, right? And so then there's still that factor of vulnerability is a really potent tool for feeling more intimate and connected with people. But there's a factor of like, how do I pick the people that is worth it for me to be vulnerable with, or that it's safe for me to be vulnerable with? And then it's a it's a really potent connector that's going to let us have a more intimate relationship. But if they respond negatively, then am I actually in a worse place than I was before I opened up my my softest core, right? So it's still kind of giving up some of the power of how empowering our vulnerability can be depending on how other people respond to it. And so I've seen this in working with clients, you know, and even just in conversation around this where people are drawn to the idea of vulnerability, but it's still feeling pretty scary. And what I arrived at is that there needs to be a second step beyond just vulnerability. And Brittany Brown alludes this to this a little bit, but she doesn't describe it in quite this way. And that's authenticity, which we started talking about in our last podcast. Because sometimes when you think about vulnerability, if we really get down to what that is, it's we are open for wounding. <laughs> you know, you're vulnerable. You're not in a defense mode. You're kind of at your softest. When an animal is vulnerable out in the wild, it's not typically a great thing for that animal. 
right? So that's why vulnerability still feels pretty scary for a lot of people because it's like this idea of, okay, so I'm just going to go out into the world and, and be a wounded animal and hopefully people catch it or hopefully people receive me correctly and they don't take advantage of that and they actually help to patch me up in a way or they help receive it in such a way that it's healing for me to open up about these things. And that's, I feel it's kind of a misguided understanding of where our true power can come from when we're speaking our truth. I believe that authenticity is that missing piece in the sense of if I know who I am, and we talked about this a little bit in that one authenticity podcast, if I know who I am and I see all my shadows and I see my quote unquote weaknesses and I see my traumas and I see the things that are difficult for me and I've looked at them and I've come to accept them, then I can share them with you. And it's not actually really that vulnerable to share them with you. Right. Because I understand that I'm human and my worth is not going to be subtracted from how you receive it. And it's not going to be subtracted by the thing, the lessons and the obstacles that I'm trying to overcome in my life right now as well. Yeah. So exactly. So at that point, it's not even in my, in the way I'm seeing it, that at that point, it's not even vulnerability anymore. You know, and I actually, I want to look up what this actual definition. No, you're just showing up as yourself. I mean, I remember when we first started this podcast, there was a, even you as a therapist, you were like, how honest do I want to be here? Because I have to keep this professional identity up. But after a few podcasts, we were like, all right, this is just, I got to be myself because that's just what feels the best. And then by be showing up as yourself, you saw how empowering it was. So it's like, yeah, there wasn't fear behind how you were showing up there when you show up authentically and you just realize I'm a whole human with multiple identities, then that's my most authentic, empowered self. And I think that this world that we live in tells us that we can only be one thing. We can only be either, you know, it tells us that we can't be professional and super sexy and a badass, whatever, all in one. It's like you are a professional woman who better conduct yourself, herself professional and all forever. And if that, and professional means not looking sexy, which is like, what you just took away from one of my main identities. Yeah. Or right. Or even one of my main identities. <laughs> I'm a Colombian woman, don't way. you know? <laughs> or do you know the world I was raised in? <laughs> or, you know, or be able to come on and be and say, you know, I struggle with this version of OCD you know, or body dysmorphia. And okay, so here is the actual definition of vulnerability. The quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. That's the actual definition of it. And that's what you kind of think, you, that's the kind of energy you get when you think of the world, the word vulnerability, which is, ooh, I'm going to show, I'm going to reveal the things that I've been told I should be ashamed of. And I'm just going to stand out here. And actually, that's some for for a lot of people that's actually going to help them bring down their guard and then we're all meeting each other in our softest places and so then we're learning to let that helps us let go of shame but that's still dependent on the way that other people are catching us so that's why you can be attacked that's why you can be exposed but if you're coming at it from the place of look this is my truth i'm okay with it now this is what i'm working with this is where i'm coming from these are my traumas. There's no shame around it. This is when you put a, you know, one plus one equals two, like that kind of experience for a human being creates that kind of trauma. Or, you know, this is how I respond under stressors. This is just what I understand about my biological machinery. And understand, yes, I have trauma and I'm still a badass fucking human. It's not, oh, I'm this, I have trauma. So I'm only half a human, which yeah, well, I think a lot of us can subscribe to. It's we want to hide those parts of ourselves. Yeah. And so if you can look at it in the most informed way possible, then you realize that's actually not something to be ashamed about. That's just it's just a reality. It just is what it is. So then I understand that as part of who I am and I'm just going to tell you about it, but it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. And that way I'm showing up very transparently. Some would call that vulnerable. Some might see it as vulnerable, but it's only vulnerable if you haven't accepted that part of yourself. I think one of the most common ways that people give up their power is by taking other people's actions and words personally. 
where you see something someone does and it bothers you and you think, oh, that means this about me. We're really, we're not seeing, just like I am on my own journey, they are also on their own journey, learning their lessons, overcoming their traumas, dealing with with what they need to deal with at their time. Yeah, dealing with their anxiety. Right. I'm not going to take them personally. I'm not going to make the things that they say and do about me. If you know, you're at a point where they're actually hurting you. Well, then that's where you got to step up even more and draw some boundaries and either walk away or figure out what you're going to do at that point. But we can't go or if we go all of our lives, just taking everything that everyone does personally, you are giving up your right to your life. Essentially, you're allowing yourselves, you're handing over your emotional state to other people. And they don't even know what they're doing. They're just they're just going through their journey as well. Well, that's the thing. That's why, like, um, if I'm going to share somebody kind of with somebody, my deepest, quote unquote, darkest thing, and then whether I'm okay with it or not depends on their reaction, which is kind of a lot of times what vulnerability is and in the way that we've talked about it. And then I'm personalizing their relationship to that particular thing. You know, if somebody thinks being sexy is bad and they're going to shame me for it, that's their own relationship to sexuality has nothing to do with me. But that's the thing. Like if I can look at the things in me that are seemingly unacceptable and find a way to accept them or just come to terms with them, I don't even have to accept them. I just have to be honest with myself about this is where I'm at. And maybe it's not my favorite thing about me, but I've already looked at it. Like I don't need you to be okay with it. I need me to be okay with it. And if I'm not okay with it yet, like fine. But then maybe I, can I find okayness with not being okay with it? And then I can share it. And then it doesn't doesn't really depend on my relationship to that aspect of myself is not dependent on your interpretation of it. This is just who I am. And that's it. That's my authenticity. That's just, it's not vulnerability. Like that once you can start relating to engaging the world from that angle, it doesn't, yeah, I mean, at that point, it's not even vulnerability because <laughs> you're not really exposed for attack or anything like that. Like if somebody attacks you, you don't even experience it as an attack. You experience it as, oh, you're just showing me right now how you relate to this aspect of yourself. That has nothing to do with me. So wish you the best on your journey. I'm still solid. Water off a duck's back. <laughs> <laughs> Your comments mean nothing, but it's really real. Yeah. We just wanted to, I wanted to bring that up today because that's a gap in the conversation that I've been noticing. This makes me think of when I was in the height of all of my hormonal changes and (laughs) I was in the height of my binge eating and I had acne and braces and I was just chubbier than my normal weight was. And I remember we had a family member who was just appalled that I was just like walking around like in my bikini looking like feeling like I was just sexy and not wearing makeup and whatever. And they even said like, how do you, it's crazy. You just are in a bikini and y'all probably think this sounds crazy, but hello, we come from a Colombian background welcome very vain creatures um (laughs) and they said they're like you are just so bold how are you out here walking with you know you're like chubby and like acne and braces and this and that and imagine if i did not know or had not accepted of what i looked like because when they said that to me I, i literally like just went over my head i'm like i yeah i know i have acne i know i have braces And like, I know I'm a little chubbier and I don't get it. What's your point? Like, it truly did not get to me. And I kept prouncing around as if nothing, because it is as of nothing, right? Like those are social constructs made by a specific culture, by a specific time in history. And I remember they said this to me and thinking about, and I told a friend about it. I I was talking to a friend about that specific thing a while ago. And they were like, that is crazy. Like that, did that not just like break you all the way down? Like, not really, no. It really didn't. It might seem like a little, like a funny example. No, I'm actually, it's actually really impressive that to me that you were able to, you just, I guess you had, you had allowed yourself to see yourself exactly as you were. And you were just like, this is who I am. You're not, um, I still have a right to exist. I still have a right to exist. And the things that I valued, that I've always valued 
our spirit. I'm like, my spirit is bomb. I'm not going to hide my fucking spirit. I'm just not. And I want to still go out in the world and and be me. Why would I hide myself? Like I didn't, that just wasn't even an option for me at that time that this person said that comment. And and they were appalled. <laughs> like they couldn't believe that I was publicizing my they thought myself. you were in an they thought you were in an they were in an alternate reality. And also this is someone who to them, anything that dealt with spirit was like I mean, they just were not of that world. They were of the very, your value and everything in the world is placed on how you look, period. So this also goes back to like, what do you value? Yeah. Right? How you show up in the world is like, what do you value? Do you value the connections you make? Do you value adventures and experiences? Or do you value out of everything how people perceive you? And if that's how, if that is what you value, then it's like, well, then there's something else that we got to work on. And you know what? It's not really even how people perceive you. It's what you've learned to associate with that and how you perceive yourself. We all have inner critics. We all do. And I've talked about this in other podcasts. I come from the perspective of parts work. We all that we all have multiple parts. They're each playing different roles in our system. And there's something I've been open about, you know, the part of me that struggles with body dysmorphia. And when life is more stressful, that part gets louder. And recently I had the experience where it was getting loud and I was like, okay, you know what? Let me sit you down and have a one-to-one with you. And I started just journaling to it and seeking to understand what it was looking for and what it wanted. And so engaging it, right? If I really can get to the root and the core of what that part of me is doing, then nothing in the outside world is more important than that. And it honestly, it's kind of in, it's kind of intense the way that these practice, these internal family system practices show up because you can feel like you're almost dealing with your own inner inner little demons. And this happens to a lot of clients when we're talking to these parts that are kind of haunting them, whether it's the OCD part or the body dysmorphia as a form of OCD or, you know, these very intense controlling parts that kind of haunt us. For a lot of people, the imagery that comes up is almost like a dark figure, which is super interesting because... I'm, you know, incorporating a variety of perspectives. And I think back to what Shaman Durek talks about, how these inner critics are these beings that actually need us to love on them and send them to the light. And so I'm talking to that part and I'm like, what are you doing? What do you want? What are you trying to achieve? And it was like, at the end of all of it, it got to control. And you know, it's masqueraded itself as different things like, you know, for women and and men too. I mean, the messaging has been, if you look this particular way, this is how you're going to get loved. If you present to the world in this particular other way, this is how you're going to get acceptance. And when we are constantly trying to shift ourselves and mold ourselves or curate ourselves in such a way that we can receive that love or we can receive that acceptance, what we're really doing is trying to control. And that's not love. Like at some point, I can say that this part of me that comes up at certain times, like it decided that I couldn't just receive love, that in some ways I wasn't worthy of love, that I had to perform my way into love, that I had to present myself in such a way to be able to receive this love. And then as I was talking with it, I'm like, that's not even love. That's control. Love is not something that we are out here clawing to get more of. It's not. So, I mean, all of that to say that if we want to show up authentically in the world, we got to know how we got to learn to communicate with these quote unquote inner demons and figure out what it is they're doing, why they're haunting us, why they're shaming us and have a reckoning with them, communicate with them, collaborate with them differently. You know, if you really get to know them, like really get to know them. And for me, you know, at this point, it's like when it comes up especially since I've been doing more of these exercises, when it tries to come up, I'm like, oh, there you are again. <laughs> like, We're not playing this game. We're not playing this game. Like, I'm not going to feed you today in any way, right? And then I understand it. I know it. I'm not afraid of anybody in the world revealing anything to me that I should be ashamed of because I've already seen myself. I've been communicating with the parts of me that criticize me. I've been negotiating with them. I've been talking with them. I've been understanding what they're really after. And when I can understand what they're really after, then I can talk to them and I can teach myself. I can reparent those parts of me of like, no, okay, like 
if what you want is love, that's not, you've been misguided. This is just goes back to the personal power conversation too, because at this point you're not waiting for other people to give you love and blaming your lack of love on the fact that other people are not giving it to you. You're filling your own needs. You're finding places within yourself that don't feel full and you're figuring out ways to fill them up. Yes. As we walk through this earth, a lot of us have been trained to basically just go about everything, reacting to what's in front of us and co-creating based off that reaction. What it really is, our relationship with how we go about life is our relationship with ourself. Yes. And our relationship with our universe. Yes. You, you always got to go back to you. You always, this is take responsibility for how you feel. Take full responsibility for the insecurities that are coming out. Take, this is why like it, this 100% goes back to, I understood at that time when this person was saying these things about my body and my face and part of the reason why it really couldn't get to me was because I understood my relationship with myself and I understood their relationship with their self. And so it made sense why they would say such a thing. Once we've taken, yeah. Once we've taken the time to kind of have that reckoning with the parts of us that haunt us, with the parts of us that we think are unacceptable and really gotten to know them and really actually recalibrated the whole thing, that just, I mean, you just naturally are going to show up more authentically. A lot of times we're filtering ourselves in order to keep these inner critics quiet. Like, how can I show up in the best way possible, in the most in control way possible? So nothing in my external environment triggers the parts of me that are going to shame me, that are going to beat me up. If that's not there, you're not going to care. If nothing in the outside world triggers you to have an inner war, you're not going to care. We care because these things create an inner war type of reaction inside of us. Once you can get to a place of clearing that inner war or develop a practice for on an ongoing basis, clearing yourself and negotiating with these parts and keeping them, you know, I I would say to a certain extent in some ways kind of tamed. There's no, you don't need to like, especially when it comes to OCD type stuff, you know, it's really is kind of like a taming of a wild part of us that just goes savagely out into the world for like trying to control things. Once that relationship is more integrated, more peaceful, it doesn't, you don't have to be as cautious of other people's responses to you because it doesn't, it has nowhere to land. I would say what just keeps coming up for me as you're speaking, the number one thing, and there's a lot of takeaways from this, but my number one thing is take responsibility for how you feel in every single moment. The second you blame someone else, you're giving up your power. Take responsibility for it because once you take responsibility for it, then you can reroute, you can change, start getting inquisitive. Once you take responsibility for it, you can ask yourself that that's where then you can go and what's underneath that, what's underneath that, what's underneath that. Yeah. Well, when you can do that, you know, take responsibility for it, look inside and really get to the root of it. Then suddenly like that compulsive need for control in whatever way or form it shows up for each individual listener out there, because that need for control is a rampant aspect of our the society that we live in. That need for control is a substitution for authentic personal power. Like when we are in, to me, personal power requires that foundation of clearing that inner war. You can clear that inner war. You know, I think it's like that saying, I'm going to botch it up a little bit, comes from the Eastern part of the world that you can conquer a thousand men in battle, but that's still nothing compared to like mastering your own mind. Once that's at peace, once that's cleared, once you know how to negotiate, how to collaborate, how to communicate with the different parts of who you are, again, it's a different kind of freedom. I think all of this just goes back to you're more able to have those that kind of healing experience when you become more embodied, less analytical. And again, I'm always just going to tie this back to developing your relationship with the universe. Because when we go back to the conversation that we were having earlier, where you were kind of saying, well, how do I know that that's the best possible outcome? It's like you're trying to control It will be, it's a lot of that earlier conversation that now is very clear to me that it didn't, because so much of this stuff is a feeling for me. I don't really, it's when it comes to verbalize it, verbalizing it, it's, it's, it's not something that's so analytical. 
So I have to find words and grasp for words to really explain this. But your trust and your surrender and your ability to flow with life, it's not going to come so much from this analytical place as it is from a very present embodied place. I I will say when I do these exercises that I communicate, I kind of do IFS on myself, internal family systems interventions on myself. I, the way I do it now, I close my eyes. I sense into my body. I actually do sense into the aspect of my body that it feels the most activated. So like where the most energy is. I close my eyes. I put my hand on the typewriter because I can type without looking. Typewriter? Well, on my computer. <laughs> I was like, you have a typewriter? <laughs> the hell? <laughs> on my computer, I close my eyes. I put my hands on the keyboard and I just start going at it. At it. I just start having a conversation with that part and I allow the answers to rise. Which makes sense because so much of our trauma is stored in our bodies and it's the narrative that our mind creates around those things that then dictate the reality that's in front of us. So much of this stuff, we're speaking on an energetic level. These are energies. We are energy. These are energies. you got to try it before you can mentally... Understand what we're saying. Under, understand it. It's, a lot of it is going to sound like mumbo jumbo. What? Surrender. Doesn't that mean this? Doesn't trust me but this? Actually, well, I was going to say, actually, like, really cool thing about IFS, the, the kind of conversation, inner dialogue that I'm describing, is that it does let us engage the verbal aspect of the mind that we're all addicted to. And through language, it allows you to transmute those energies. Go into your body, but you actually, there is a possibility for engaging language and engaging the story to shift the energy into healing. They can be connected. So that's that's the cool thing about working with our healing from a perspective of parts, because it's something that the mind can play along with as, as well. Yeah. I've never done IFS, but that sounds super interesting. And I would say for me, the way that I've been able to arrive at where I am in my life the strongest, the strongest, because I, I will not take out speaking and the analytical part. Therapy has helped me like crazy. So I think the therapy, I think you got to, yeah, it, you can, to find a way first to kind of, like you said in the last podcast, dampen that anxiety, dampen your mind to get rid of some of that chatter. But the way that, and, and to soften the ego to then allow you to really get inside of your body. Mm-hmm. But the way that a lot of these energetic concepts come into place and really click and open up this magic that I so often talk about is it happens through tapping into your body and getting so embodied that and so present that things reveal themselves to you, not through words, not through anything that's going to deal so much with the mind, but it's it's through being so present, so present and embodied. This is why practices like breath work are so life-changing, right? Mm-hmm. Because then we're able to really align ourselves with what needs to be discovered in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's the meeting of the two things, right? Because the ego is not just going to surrender all the time. Like we can experience energetic releases, and this happens to people on psychedelic trips all the time. You know, they can have really deep, profound experiences, but you can release all that energy. But until the narrative changes, you're going to keep recreating the same energy that you then need to clear out all over again. So it's got to be a meeting of the breathwork type of interventions that are clearing the energy and allowing for these messages to really click and actually working with the mind to also facilitate the clicking and the integration of these messages. Because if we don't work with the mind to integrate it, the mind will once again, go off in its own direction and go back to its old stories. And once it goes back to its old stories, you're recreating the same thing all over again. That's beautifully said. I agree with that entirely because our mind at the end of the day, we have to tap into our mind to function in this society and Mm -hmm. our minds are our control center. So the more that we can use our bodies and work with our minds, we really do start to free ourselves. Yeah. And speaking of breathwork practices, we are going to do a giveaway. We love you guys so much and get so excited whenever whenever we see that you have rated and reviewed our podcast. We 
love it. We really, really do. And it's actually how we spread the word about Pretty Mental. The way that the algorithms work, the more ratings and reviews they have, the more you get bumped up in the discovery field. And we want to spread our messages far and wide. We want to heal, as we say in the portal, when we're opening up the portal, we want these messages to spread to the community, everyone they come in contact with in the entire universe. We want to walk each other home, essentially. We want to help each other on this journey. So the more people we can bring on in this community, the more powerful and potent this will be. So this is our giveaway. If you guys go to the Apple Podcasts app and you rate and review us and screenshot that, email it to us at community at prettymental.com. You will be in the running for a free breathwork session with me. And these breathwork sessions are incredibly potent, incredibly healing. If you've never done it before, you are in for a wild ride. They're beautiful. If you have done it before, then you know how powerful they can be. So we encourage you guys go rate and review, screenshot, email us community at prettymental.com. You will be in the running and for the next, so this podcast releases on a Monday. We will pick someone that Thursday. Okay, you guys. And with that, we love you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Los queremos mucho. Los queremos mucho. You guys be kind to yourselves out there. Be kind to yourselves. Follow us in, on Instagram at Pretty Mental Official. We love talking to you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday at 6 a.m. EST. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.